Thank you. Please have a seat. everyone and welcome to Deer Run Church and happy Canada Day long weekend. Uh, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Jonathan Newfeld, and I'm an associate pastor here at Deer Run Church and on a regular basis I'm not up here on a Sunday morning but the odd Sunday I get the privilege of being here so I, yeah, I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm excited to share with you and start our new series into the book of Psalms. And so throughout the summer, we're going to be diving into this, into this book, looking at various topics, looking at different themes throughout this book, and just diving into Scripture. So maybe I'm the only one who does this, but whenever I'm not sure what to read, whenever I'm going through the Bible and I just don't know where to start, or I don't know what to read, or where I want to go with it, I open to the book of Psalms, and I just find something random, and I start reading it. And often I get encouragement, like, man, like, that's exactly what I needed to hear at this, this moment. I opened it up. Ah, the Psalms spoke to me, and that's a great thing. But the book of Psalms has so much more to offer if we know how to use this book properly. So the book of Psalms should be, should be treated like a car manual. And I don't mean like the majority of us use our car manual, I mean like actually using it. I know the majority of us, we know where our car manual is. It's in our glove box tucked away with the nice plastic wrap around it, and that's about as far as it goes with that actual manual. But that manual has a purpose, and an actual purpose for a car manual is to understand how this vehicle works. If something is broken, it'll show you what to fix, what needs to be replaced, what fuse needs to go out, how to change your oil, and maybe even where to change your blinker fluid. If you don't know what I'm talking about, read your car manual and you'll find out. So likewise, the book of Psalms can be used like a manual in our life when we are going through different seasons, when we're going through different seasons of life. The Psalms gives us insight as to how to pray when we're angry, when we're disappointed, when we're upset with our current circumstances. And on the flip side, the Psalms also teaches us how to give praise to God, to find hope in times of distress and the darkness. And more, more importantly, it teaches us to trust God in all moments. The Psalms engages our whole body. They engage our mind through instruction and understanding, sharing deep truths about who God is. They engage our bodies through movements and expressions such as kneeling, lying prostrate, or raising our hands in worship. All of these things invite action. They invite this expression of all our strength to God. They engage our souls connecting with our emotions. They engage our imaginations, inviting us to picture and just to visualize what the psalmists are saying about God to be true and what the kingdom can be. The psalms engage our relationship with God and also with one another. The Psalms invite us to experience a, con a conversation with God and about God with others, and often our theology is shaped around this book of who God is and how we respond to him. So throughout this time this morning, we're going to be looking at the background of the Psalms, the authors, different categories that we'll see, and how in every state of life we can turn to God in all these different emotions. And so before we do this, let's start with a word of prayer. So God, we come before you today and we look at this book of Psalms, this book of many authors and, and many emotions, Lord. This is how we can communicate with you, how we can pray to you, how we can praise you in all these different times, Lord. This book is given to us 
to express um, just the utmost real um, emotion that we have, Lord. So we thank you for the way that you've gifted us with Scripture, with this book that can be used in all different circumstances, Lord. We pray that we would better understand how to use it so we can better understand you, the creator, the one who created us, the one who gave us life. Lord, we thank you for this. Amen. So starting with background, the Psalms comes, or the, the word Psalms come from a Greek word, psalmist, which means song or hymn. And in Hebrew, the word, or the word of the book Psalms is telehim, which means praises. So the book of Psalms contains 150 psalms of various kinds. And through these, we gain a glimpse into what was happening, happening in the life of the Israelites over a thousand-year period. Individual psalms come from, come from diverse periods of history, and each stage serves as a songbook to God's people. C.S. Lewis explains the psalms must be read as poems, as lyrics, with the license and all the formalities, with the hyperboles and emotions, rather than logical connections, which are proper lyrical, insi- or lyrical poetry. These insights can open the whole new window to our understanding of the psalms. These poems are written with raw emotion, with raw emotion. They are filled with exaggeration, and we can see that there's gut-level honesty as the, as the psalmist writes. The psalms are first and foremost poems and should be read as such. We should enjoy the metaphors and the language and the emotion and the rhythm. Secondly, the psalms are poems that actually are meant to be sung. They're meant to be sung as a congregation. The psalms are meant for personal and corporate worship. So whether we are reading this by ourselves in our, in our devotions or we are reading it together right now as a congregation, we can get something away from this book from these psalms. It's through the psalms that we can hear a voice which is new in scripture. It's a voice of, pr- of personal prayer. It's soul searching. It's songs of praise and hope. Athanasius of Alexandria, also known as Athanasius of the Great, is also quoted saying, the most, or most of scripture speaks to us, but the, sp- the psalms speak for us. The psalms actually speak for us. These psalms are meant to be read as our own personal prayers. So who wrote these? Who wrote these 150 psalms? So like I mentioned, there's 150 psalms in this book, and there are multiple authors that formulate this this whole book. Uh, There's 12 psalms that are written by Asaph, Asaph, who played an important role in the musical role of public worship that David established. Ten psalms are written by Korah, who is found in the book of Numbers, chapter 16 and 17. And then there are two psalms by Solomon, one of each from Moses, uh, Ethan, Haman, Ezra, and there is a third of this book that we just don't know. It's anonymous. We don't know who wrote these. And then the person who contributed the most to the book of Psalms is David, who was responsible for half of the Psalms, as he was attributed to 73 of these. So if you know the story of David, you would know that he, uh, you, you would see that um, he was attributed to all these different things in his life. All these different emotions, he experienced them in his life. He went through all different kinds of things. And so when you look at the Psalms that he wrote, you can see different instances actually in his life. So Psalm 3 was written when David fled from his son Absalom. David wrote Psalm 51 after the Lord sent Nathan to confront him as he had the affair with Bathsheba. He also wrote Psalm 57 when he was hiding in a cave from Saul. So these are moments in history that David wrote expressing his emotion to God. In many ways, the Psalms that David writes remind us it reminded me of a personal journal, someone actually journaling to God, sharing exactly what's going on, sharing whatever they want, sharing the truths of what's happening. 
An unknown author expresses understandings, their understandings of the Psalms of David and words, in beautif- and words that beautifully sang, the harp of David still sounds in our ears. The Holy Ghost has crystallized for us the prayers and praises of the son of Jesse. Someone said that architecture was music frosted. The Psalms are the music of the heart of someone of so- and sometimes plaintive and sad, sometimes joyous and jubilant, sometimes full of darkness and anguish, sometimes tranquil and happy. The music of David's soul preserved by the Spirit that hearing it, we may feel encouragement to draw near to God. So these Psalms encourage us to draw near to him. The book of Psalms is divided into five different books and each of them ending with a doxology. Most scholars have determined that these five books correspond with the first five books of the Old Testament, also known as the Pentateuch. So we have book one being Psalm 1 to 41, book two, which is Psalm 42 to 72, book three, which is 73 to 89, book four is 90 to 106, and lastly, the last book is 107 to 150. And throughout these books, though they are different and they're categorized differently, they have the same themes that you see in the Old Testament. A lot of these themes carry through. And the many themes throughout Psalms, um, one of them that we can look at is monotheism, meaning there's only one God. So through the Old Testament, there is this constant battle between the Israelites worshiping false gods. They would worship false gods when they were discouraged, when they would forget about God, when things wouldn't go their way, they would constantly look to other things to worship. They'd create their own idols. And so throughout the Psalms, there's this constant pointing back to the one true God. Another theme throughout Psalms is the covenant that God made with his people. In his covenant, God offers grace to his people and forgiveness for their sins. Each member of God's people is responsible to believe God's promise and to grow in obeying his commands. Those who do this will enjoy the full benefit of God's love and find delight in knowing him. So along with multiple authors, there's also multiple themes throughout this poetry. And it still has multiple classifications. So there are a variety of styles, and throughout our series in this next two months, we'll be looking at seven different classifications of psalms. And so it's a lot of content. I know it's a lot of um, categories, but I want to go into a couple of them to give us a, a brief overview of them. And so the first one is Psalms of Praise. These hymns were praises written to God, thanking the Lord for who he is and what he's all done for us, for his people. An example can be found in Psalm 8, as it says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praises of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. You silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that, are, that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than angels and, the, and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the work of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So while reading this, it's possible that David is just stepping outside and picturing the vastness that God has created, this, this vastness of the heavens. David was marveling at God's greatness in comparison to himself, understanding who he was and who God was, just marveling at this. David understood he was in awe that God would have love for him and actual purpose for him. 
And it's in these psalms that give us great insights and words to speak when we are speechless for what God does. The second style of psalm is psalms of thanksgiving, which thank God for his answers of prayer and provision in times of need. So Psalm 30 is a great example as it says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me up out of the depths and did not let your enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And the third category of psalm I want to address, it's a little bit different than praises, and by a little bit I mean a lot different than praises, and it's the psalm of imprecatory. And so these are psalms that calls on God's judgment on enemies. And so in Psalm 137, we have a psalm that is written days after the exile of Babylon. In the psalms, the writer who is captive is asking God to avenge his people, to avenge him. The Babylonians had mocked them, the Edomites had turned on them in the last minutes, and it's in this psalm that we hear some gruesome words, some words that you shouldn't read in scripture, but they're there. And so we read this as it says, Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day of judgment fell. Tear, tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to the foundation. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against rocks. These are unspeakable words. It's written in the Psalms. And there are many other psalms like this, and many believers find this troubling. Why would there be stuff like this written in Scripture? How could someone write something such as this? But what we can see from this type of Scripture is the human side of it. We can see the human side of Scripture and these emotions. The psalmist is crying out in anger, in frustration, and in their pain they realize their own weakness. There is nothing that they can do to change their situation, but simply turn to God. That is their only hope. Another thing imprecatory psalms do is it leaves the judgment to God. It leaves the judgment to God. The psalmist calls for God's judgment, and he called for God to do it. So though he might not separate the sin from the sinner, he recognized that only God held the righteousness to judge. He was only one right to judge. The fourth psalm we'll look at is wisdom of psalms. And wisdom psalms, um, the writer typically describes God's relationship with his people, with him. So this would be similar to what we see in Proverbs, but less of a definition for it, but more of a description of what um, God intended life to be. An example of this would be found in Psalm 1, as this psalm um, is very direct. And it gives a straight point of what um, God wants for life. And it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of the sinner, uh, sinners take, or, ta- or sit in the company of the mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by a stream of water which yields its fruit in season, but whose leaves do not, leaves, leaf does not wither. Whether they, whatever they do prospers. And the last category that we'll talk about this morning real quickly is Psalms of Confidence. So one of the most well-known psalms of confidence, it's often recited at funerals, it's in shows and movies. We probably know this one best, and it's Psalm 23. As it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He led me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path of his, holy, of his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So David understood what it meant to have confidence in God. A lot of us, we have confidence in a lot of things. Maybe it's in our abilities. Maybe it's in our work. Maybe it's in our knowledge. We have these, this confidence. But David displays confidence in God and who he was. David was ready to face these giants, and he understood this. David was also a shepherd, so he knew very well what this meant. He was able to grasp this imagery of the Lord being his shepherd because he too was a shepherd and understood the faith these sheep had in him to follow and how he needed to follow God with the same faith. I think psalms of confidence are great for us, not just because it teaches us to place our confidence in God, but I also find it reassuring knowing that I don't need to have everything under control. These psalms remind me that I don't need to have my life all planned out. I don't need to have everything um, figured out in my life. God is there. He is in control, and my confidence needs to be placed in him. He is the one who's going to carry me through these things. He is the one that I can rely on. I can't rely on my own strength. My confidence comes from him. And so now that we've gone through a lot of this information, the formal part of this, and going through a lot of the introduction of this sermon, the reason why we should get to know these different categories and better understand this is because the psalm should be and can be used in all seasons of life. All emotions, any state that we are going through, the psalms can be turned to and leaned on. In 1985, a scholar by the name of Walter Brueggemann wrote a book called The Message of, of the Psalms. And it's in this writing that he unpacks of the psalms and how it's meant to be treated both theologically and pastorally. And in his reading, Brueggemann links different kinds of psalms to different conditions of human life. So Brueggemann states that psalms help us help the faithful community through different conditions of human life. And these are orientation, disorientation, and new orientation. These three states that we go through in our life. So for the remainder of the sermon, we're going to look at how David experienced these three states of life and how we can walk through these same things that he did and learn from them. So let's start with orientation. The state of orientation describes a season of well-being. This is when everything is going well. It's when your job is going good, you're growing in your faith, you're reading, and just like your family's doing good. We know this in our life. When we're going, in a, when everything is working out, that's a state of orientation. When everything lines up, we're happy, content, that is orientation, the state that we're talking about. So when life is good, we are in a state of orientation, and we see this an example of Psalm 19 as David describes the celebration of God's goodness. As he says, The heaven declares the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The times of orientation, they're great. They are hopeful. They are so great. And we're like, yes, like God is so good. We know these times. We've experienced these times in life. They're amazing. But as we all know, life isn't always easy. There are always things that come up. There's always hardships. There's always times that don't last. And just like this, um, life can go how we didn't plan it to go. So just like times of orientation don't last, we have times of disorientation. And disorientation are seasons of life that are filled with suffering, they're filled with hurts, filled with pain, filled with death. If we look at David's life, he went through many 
times of disorientation, many times of life where he was just in utter chaos. His life was a roller coaster of crazy emotions. So the man who anointed David later became jealous and tried to kill him. Um, David was caught in an affair with Bathsheba and then tried to cover it up by killing someone. And, and David um, was chased by, or was, his son rebelled against him and later his son died. David experienced all different times in his life of suffering, of pain, of chaos. He understood this. He was no stranger to difficult times. And throughout the Psalms, Psalms of disorientation make up the largest group. They make up the largest group of this, I think because we need the most help with this. When times are tough, where do we turn to first? Whether maybe it's family, maybe it's friends, maybe it's things that we think give us temporary joy, give us that, that boost that we need for the day. But do we actually turn to Scripture? Do we actually turn to the Psalms? Do we turn to Psalms like this that actually help us walk through and process this? David writes about this Psalm in Psalm 13 in this personal lament in which he just explains that God feels distant, that God just does not feel near to him. So he says, How long, Lord? How long, Lord? Will you forget, my fa- will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. These times of disorientation cause us to vent our frustrations and to have moments of rage and self-pity. In these moments, we feel like God is absent. We feel like God is not near to us at all. We feel like we have doubts, we have questions. And I don't have to elaborate on this very much. We've all experienced these times. Especially in these last couple years, we've experienced times where we just felt hopeless. We felt like we just didn't know where to go with ourselves. And although these times are tough, The beautiful thing about disorientation and in these psalms is the psalmist never hides their emotions. They never hide how they're actually feeling feeling when writing to God. They never hide this. I think when it comes to times like this, our natural tendency is to bottle things up, to actually hide how we're feeling. Meanwhile, God already knows how we're feeling. We don't need to hide our frustrations. We don't need to hide our pain. We don't need to hide what we're going through. I'll get personal here for a second. Um... I had a time of disorientation in my life that I remember clearly, and this would have been in my, my last year of college at SBC, Steinbeck Bible College, and I remember we were, I was in my, my first semester in my last year, and uh, I was just notified that if I did not have my final payment of school before I came back from Christmas break, that I would not be able to finish my time there. And I remember thinking to myself, like, are you kidding me? Like, I cannot finish my final year if I don't have my money in order? Like, this this does not make sense. Like, I, I don't get this. And, and so everything came to a screeching halt. I was upset. I was angry. I didn't know how I was going to get this money. I had this weight over my shoulders of what was I going to do? What was I going to do? How was I going to make this work? And then I remember at the same time, I was part of a leadership team, and there was a girl on a leadership team that was not doing well. She was quite sick. And one specific night, she was at her worst. Um, they're like, we don't know what to do. Should we bring her to the hospital? Should we not? Um, just a lot of confusion around this. And so as leaders, we met, uh, we went to the dorm, the girl's dorm there, and we went outside and we just prayed. We prayed for what felt like hours in the cold, just praying for this girl to get help, to get healed, to, for something, God to do something. And I remember I left that night, um, and I was just distraught, so upset, like, what is going on? And so I went down to the prayer room in our guy's dorm, 
and had this couch, so I went there, locked the door so no one would see me crying, and so I go down there, lock the door, sit on this couch, and I just wailed. I was angry, just so upset, like, God, why would you bring me to school if I couldn't even finish my school? Why would you call me here if it would end like this? God, why is this girl suffering when she follows you so faithfully? Why are you doing this? And I questioned, and I questioned, and I argued, and I was just so upset. I was just so upset with what God was doing. And I'll never forget that night, the state of disorientation. It felt like hours. Um, but what this moment taught me is that it's okay not to be okay. And I'll say that again. It is okay not to be okay. If you're struggling in your faith, if you're going through hard times, if God feels distant from you, Psalms of disorientation are there to give us direction on how to respond and work through these tough times, through these moments, the good and the bad. Psalms like this remind us that God isn't afraid. He's not afraid of how we're feeling. He isn't offended by our questions. He invites them. He wants to hear from us. God wants to hear us through the good times and the bad, through all these times. And just like times of orientation don't last, times of disorientation don't last either. And uh, I remember this country singer, his name is Brett Kissel. He sings a song and it says, tough times don't last, but tough people do. And once we have, or once we make it through these troublesome times, we will see this new season of healing. This new season of healing known as new orientation in our life. And new orientation describes a season of healing, of reconciliation, and it's in these times that life is made new and joy overcomes despair. In terms of faith, God's love overwhelms us. He overwhelms us. We find amazement in the gospel again. And it's in this that we find light that breaks through the darkness of what we're going through. Just like dark times in David's life, he also experienced amazing moments of joy in the presence of God. And a psalm of new orientation is found in Psalm 40, as David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and myrrh. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see the fear the Lord, many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, none can compare with you. Were I to, were I to speak and to tell you of your deeds, they, do, they, would do, they would be too many to declare. So what Psalms of New Orientation do for us is it helps us place confidence back in God. As we went through this terrible time of disorientation, these psalms remind us where we need to place this confidence, where we need to place our trust again. It helps us reset and refocus on God. It's through this process of healing that we will find ourselves back at the point of seeing God as our shepherd. And it's when we are with him that we lack nothing. And so as we wrap up our sermon today, I know we went through a lot of content. I know it's a lot of information all at once. But my hopes with this series is that as we dive into these various psalms, these different categories, that we can learn to better express our prayers and our praises to God in corporate worship and just personally in our own time with God. The psalms teach us to better communicate with God, so whether it's through praises 
through songs, through prayers, or even in our times of anger and frustration. It is evident through the Psalms that God truly listens to his people. God listens to our cries, and he wants us to be real and authentic. He wants us to be just as we are. So my prayer for us today as a church is that we would study this book, not for the purpose of head knowledge, but rather to learn how to speak to our creator, because he knows us best, he understands us best, and he knows what we're going through. So as we close, um, I just want to read a benediction as we, as we wrap up. And so Psalm 37, 3 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit, in, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will, make your right, he will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Let's pray. God, as we unpack this, as we look at your word, as we learn um, what these psalmists were writing and how they were wrestling through these things, Lord, I pray that whatever state we're in right now, whether we're excited, whether we're angry, Lord, that we would learn to turn to you. Through these psalms that we would learn to turn to you, that we would embrace your word, that we would embrace your grace that you offer us, Lord, and that we would just be raw and honest with you. We know that we come from all different avenues of life. We know that we have different things that always come up, and we, we tend to just hide these things from, ever, from everyone else, Lord, but we, from you we don't need to. You are our God. You love us. You sent your son to die for us, Lord, and I pray that as we, as we go through this book, we would learn how to better communicate with you just as you communicate with us through these words. Amen.